Our scripture today is uh, Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Hey, guys, and as you sit down, let's, let's give them a, a round of applause and a little, little hand praise there for what God is doing. Um, again, it's exciting, and we're so excited to be a part of it. And um, I'll say again, um, just a, another little, just really cool thing. We have a handful, a couple of um, students who go here to Safford School, who are a part of this school, who are, are here this morning with a teacher. They got permission from their, their parents and from the uh, principal here at the school, and they've been, they're helping us a bit and doing some different things just to kind of be a part of what we're doing and is, you know, we host them or uh, they're hosting us through, you know, by us being here at Safford and they're hosting us this morning. And just on that note, um, I don't know if some of you guys have noticed there, they did a, a, a project re- recently where there's some little shoes on the, on the lockers and that's to some of these kids to share their journey and what they've walked through. And this is a, this is a kindergarten through eighth grade school and it is profound and may I also say like jarring to read some of these things. The, the place where we come and gather and we maybe complain or joke about not having enough coffee and, 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 then, and then we're exposed to the reality of what some of these youth who are in, these, in this school five days out of the week, um, what they're walking through. And so all the more as the Paulsons have a posture of, Lord, use us to enter into um, some of these kids' stories. Um, I just um, pray that that would be all of our posture as a church and all the more. So anyway, I just encourage you where we meet even is directly connected with some of what they shared. Um, so now uh, let's get into our time in Acts chapter 2 together. If you have a Bible, will you go ahead and um, turn there, meet me in Acts chapter 2, or if you have an app or however it is that you read God's word, go there with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? Okay, don't do the auctioneer thing, but keep it up high so somebody can get you a Bible, right? We want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and understand and make their own. And if you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. Um, También si quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, uh, levanta su mano y diga español. Um, y si no tienes una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo a usted. Y uh, estamos en el, el libro de, de Hechos. Um, we're in Acts. And uh, get the L's get me in English and in Spanish. Um, so again, we're in um, the book of Acts, um, Los Hechos. And um, as we're turning there, as we're getting there, let me just kind of pick us up where we've been, okay? We're walking through um, this throughout the whole year, pretty much. We're, we're in Acts. We're, we're, we're intentionally walking through what's going on. If you remember um, the big idea, so this can be a little interactive, we're looking at the Acts of who? God. Right? Your Bibles say the Acts of the Apostles, and we did a whole, you know, Dead Poet Society, rip that. No, we didn't rip pages out of the Bible, but I do think that 
That title that says the Acts of the Apostles or the Works of the Apostles is not really, doesn't give us the big idea. It's really the Acts of God. And more specifically, and this really sets us up for today, is it's the works of God um, revealing his mighty character and his mighty works, specifically through Jesus, God the Son, who lived and died on a cross and then victoriously rose from the dead and then sent the Holy Spirit to empower God's people to carry out God's works throughout the world. Okay, so that's really the title. Okay, it's mouthful. Okay, everyone now repeat that after me. No, okay, we can summarize that by saying the acts of God. But specifically, if you guys remember, Acts chapter 2, many believe, is really like the hinge point for all that the author, Luke, who wrote the gospel according to Luke, tracking the life, death, and resurrection, and then ascension of Jesus, and then also wrote all of Acts. The Acts chapter 2 is like the hinge point that everything from Luke, and then Acts chapter 1, leads up to Acts chapter 2. And then everything that flows after Acts chapter 2, so beginning next week when we get into Acts chapter 3, kind of flows out of or, or relies back on what happens in Acts chapter 2. And it's God sending his Holy Spirit to form a people who he will call his own, who will live every aspect of life in light of a restored identity and relationship with him and with one another, and that that flows into everything that we do into who we are. Okay, amen? So that's, that's kind of the foundation that we're, we're kind of launching out of this morning. And, and let me go ahead and pray before we get into this more together um, to ask God and trust him through the Holy Spirit to lead our time together. Let's pray. Um, Lord, I pray even now as, as we do pray that we would kind of pause and even kind of take a breath as we have covered a lot even this morning and a lot of exciting things that you're doing among us here at Redemption Tucson, and, and, and as we consider your works throughout all of Tucson, that we get to be a small part of it, we're thankful. And um, we, we pray now, um, I pray now as we get into this, that you will, you will work in us and shape us, God, that as we consider why we're even here and uh, who we are, God, that we wouldn't just uh, kind of approach a potentially familiar passage just kind of like, oh yeah, we get it, but God, that you will jar us even, um, and, 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 and Lord, cause us to respond and to take seriously what you are, are, are calling us into. Um, so Lord, we love you, we need you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So um, again, I, I just want to ask you, even as I just said, let me ask you to consider and ask us to consider, why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we here? Why, uh, on an individual lo- lo- level, if you identify as a Christian or a follower of Jesus, w- w- why is that? Like, what does that mean? Like, not just kind of in, you know, on paper, but what does it really mean? And then why are we here? Why are we gathered together? Why are we doing this whole thing, standing and sitting and, you know, singing and, and all this stuff? Um, why, why are we doing it? What's the point behind it? Um, let me submit to you that our tendency, what we some call and what we believe um, is called the fallen condition with sin, our sin tendency is to make it about us. Even our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our, 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 our reasons for church, 
for why we're here, why we gather, is really to use God and each other and all these different things more as a means to meet our own ends, our own goal. And that's, um, let me, again, kind of the story of God that we're walking through that we're assuming that really needs, we need to set up here is that we understand that God created us all to reflect him. That we're told in the image of God, um, he created us individually and communally to reflect him in everything we do, our relationships, our family, our work, our gathering, our play, everything we do. And then sin, which can be summed up in kind of the idea of not God, Okay, is us essentially saying, thanks but no thanks, God, giving God the finger pretty much and just saying, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to define my identity, my relationships, my work, my play, my, my activities, everything. I want to do it to meet my own ends. And I don't want my fulfillment to be found in you. Instead, I want to do it on my own. And, and that is, again, when I mentioned Fong, that's where we all inherently, by nature and also by choice, that's, that's just how we operate. Without intentional intervention, that's just where we go. Okay? And so, again, I do think that I need to kind of pause and press in as we get into this because if you've been around church a lot or you're familiar, again, you call yourself a Christian, this might be one of those passages that you read and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, an Acts 2 Christian. And, and we continue to just kind of pick and choose and, you know, copy and paste what we want and don't pause for a minute and recognize, man, I, I do tend to use God and others and all of life to meet my ends. And I submit to all of us that that is um, broken, that, that, all, that even as we'll see we walk through this time together, that that leaves us um, wanting and, and wandering. And, and, and that without, again, intentionality, that's just the way we naturally operate. And so um, what we're going to see this morning, again, the big idea of God forming a people is this, just so you kind of have some handlebars as we walk through this um, incredibly incredibly helpful and powerful passage together is, um, is this, is that, um, is that God is forming a people who gather together um, and who live, I think we have it up here, right? Yeah, there you go, who you can see together, who gather together and who live in community together and live on mission, Okay, that God's forming a people, and we're going to walk through it this way, and you can see as we go, who are gathering together, who are living in community, and who are living on mission. And that really is, guys, I, again, um, I, I, I may jump up and down, but I know it looks kind of silly when a short guy is like jumping up and down and, you know, pounding the podium, but this is not just for them. Okay, this is not like, oh, back then, Acts 2, oh, the history of the church, blah, blah, blah. This is like every one of us, okay, look at me, um, and I'm raising my voice because I love you and I love us and not because I'm just mad or grumpy. Um, I'm not. I'm happy. But I, it's because this, we have got to get this. This is, God means this to shape us in our lives today. It is not Oh, back then. And in order for that to happen, we have got to, I, it's painful. I think God wants to do a surgical work among us that will involve us individually and communally recognizing, oh man, I have strayed. I have kept God off limits from certain areas of my life. I have used him and others and my life as a means to meet my own, hand, my own ends rather than submitting to and entrusting 
our hearts, our lives, our purpose, our identity, our work, our play to him and what he's designed. And so as we get into our time here, we, we understand that he's doing something. This is a purpose that he's calling us all into. So it begins with the God calling a people who gather together. Okay, picking up in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves. There is a level of intentionality that's going to run throughout our whole time here together, and, and we're going to even come back around to it full circle at the end, but there's a level of, of commitment. It doesn't just happen. It's not just kind of flimsy, like whatever happens here. It's, no, there's a, a, there's a level of, of consistency. And, and I think in our day and age, this is, there's a lot of danger and tendency to the way we tend to just go about life and, and just kind of like, more flippant, kind of what feels good on the moment, you know, well, that's kind of what I'm feeling. I'm going to go with that. And there's, there's a lot of us that, that kind of tend toward um, maybe, maybe laziness or just, again, flippancy and just kind of, kind of willy-nilly go. And really, candidly, that's me, actually. If some of you guys know, like, the Myers-Briggs personality assessment and all that stuff and I didn't even plan on this. I'm going all that. But there's some people are J's and some people are P's. And, and some of you are like geeking out right now. You're like, finally, we're talking about this kind of thing. Some of you are like, what the? I'm not speaking in tongues. Okay, this is, um, this is what I'm talking about, though, is, um, is a tendency. And I'm more of a P and I am more of that. Like I probably never wake up at the exact same time every morning. Even though I have specific times I have my alarm set for, I'm just like, Kind of, you know, some of you, though, have been waking up on the dot, on the alarm for like the last 50 years. And that's you and that's great and, and we're different in that way. But, but I do think we all have a tendency and, and, on, and really, candidly, our, our approach to marriage, our approach to relationships, our quick eject button, it just reveals that we all have a tendency to struggle with um, devotion, with commitment. And so what, what this is, is talking about here is these people in the very beginning is God is forming them, okay? It's kind of like the cement is still wet here in God's people. And as he's forming and shaping his people, he begins with a, with a call for them to be devoted to him and to one another. And I think that this, this devotion, the fact that if you, uh, if you look in that, in, that, in that very next part when it goes on and it uses a word and it says, the apostles' teaching the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. There's in the in the in the Greek language this was written in. There's um there's a there's a sense of consistent and yet definite um gathering here. Okay, and just kind of I I, I, can't, I don't have time to press into this too much, but this is not saying. Wherever you are at whatever taco truck or, you know, hookah bar where two or three are gathered, that's church, you know, that's gathering, that's what God wants. And I know some of us kind of think that way. And okay, just kind of some of you are about to check out right now. We're going to get there. Okay, we're going to get to the hookah bars. And I've never been to hookah bar, by the way. I don't even know what goes on there. So, but, you know, I know there's like mist and it's very, I don't know. Engaging and whatever. It's deep. Everyone has their legs crossed. It's, but um, you're, you know, it's, it's, 
in again taco trucks. That's more my style. I have been to a lot of taco trucks, and um, we we think, oh yeah, everyday life. That's church. That's what we're doing. We are going to get there, but this is not that. This really is more what we're doing right now. This is um, for the athletes in here, the people that are looking forward to the Super Bowl or know anything about kind of sports stuff. There's a phrase often used of trust the process. Okay, it means like you show up on day one and um, you, you're told like, hey, I know you want to dunk and you want to shoot threes. As you guys can definitely tell, I'm a basketball player. No, I don't know anything except what I watch. But, um, you know, there's a process. And like, no, we're going to start out doing like one-step layups and doing these things. And like, we're going to get there, but trust the process. And, and a good coach will tell you, trust the process. And there's a, a sense here of God saying, listen, you're formed we, we often use this phrase here of it's, it's so much more about transformation than information. Amen? We're not just here to just like, oh, fill our heads and do all this stuff. But there's a call in walking faithfully. Remember I, it's the F word of 2017 that I pray would define us is faithful. That we would be a faithful people. And a part of that is trusting the process. And I, God's calling his people to gather together. What we do, some of you don't even know this, and I kind of walk through it every week. When we gather here together, there's a process. It's called another L word. Stephen, help me out with it. What's the L word we walk through? Liturgy. See, once I hear someone else say it, I can go with it. There is a liturgy that we walk through in, intentionally every week that the church has historically observed and walked through. I'll just kind of bust it out for you really quickly is there's uh, there's a call to worship we gather here and we start and Stephen always says we are orienting our worship we're not starting our worship at that moment but we are all worshiping something whether you acknowledge it or not we are worshipers John Calvin famously said the human heart is an idol factory which essentially means and we'll, is we come up with things to worship we're all worshiping whether you're you would I identify as an atheist or anywhere else on the spectrum, all of life we're worshiping. We're finding our identity and our purpose and we're giving um, praise. We're, we're, or we're circling our lives around something. Okay? That's worship. So we start out with a call to worship, which is to reorient our, our um, adoration and our need and our circling, if you will, our identity, our purpose, our life around God, our creator. And then there's a time where we observe the historic passing of the peace. We, we welcome God as a hospitable God, and we're called to be hospitable to others and to one another. And so we greet one another in the name of the Lord, and, um, and, and that's the passing of the peace. And then there's a time of confession, right, where we pause and we individually and communally confess our sin before God. And then we, we sit in that for a moment and we're like bursting and we're like, do I stay here? And then there's a time of, of an assurance of grace where we remember and I, I love it. And it's no, no, no. If, if you put your trust in Jesus, you're not defined by sin. So we stand symbolically and we experience um, even physically and are reminded of the forgiveness we have in Jesus. That we don't sit in our sin. That if you put your faith in him, you are forgiven and you are new and you are restored and we communicate can stand as his people and then we um, transition into a time of teaching where we submit ourselves to his word 
And we need him. And it's not just me up here trying to be funny and trying to give you, you know, five steps to success or whatever. As I said, I'm a Myers-Briggs, I'm a P, so I don't have any of those. I don't have five steps to anything. And, but this is a time where we're like, God, what do you say and how do you want to shape us? together. And then um, from there, there's a time of response, responding to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we give and we sing and we pray and we come and take communion and we respond and it's a gift of God. And then we are sent out the benediction, the sending out of God's people in response to the good news of Jesus. And there's a forming in that. And guys, some, often we don't know what God's doing I, I don't always want to be here. Okay, sorry. <laughs> like, I know, and some of you are like, yeah, me neither, right now. I, like, we don't always want to be here. We don't always, but there is a sense of God shaping us and forming us and us entrusting ourselves to him by gathering together consistently. And you see there's an effect there in verse 43. It says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And in a moment, or kind of at the end here, just so you know where we're kind of tracking, when we get to on mission together, we're going to get back to this. But there's a theme, just kind of to get there quickly before, is in verses 41, and then in verse 43, and then again down in verse 47, there's this phrase of the Lord adding to their number, and the Lord working through them. And, and I, I will say, as we talk about our gathering together, um, God uses it somehow. And even here, and we believe that. We don't believe, and for those of you who are not Christians who are here, and, and, and it's, we're, I'm really glad you're here, and this is a safe place to evaluate your faith and to consider what you believe. And I don't know if if I agree with everything you're saying, or I don't, that whole idea of sin and turning my back on God, I've never given God the finger. I don't, I've never turned on God. I've never, you know, and this is a place to evaluate some of that. But hear me, we, I want to just kind of, there's no bait and switch here. Okay, there is something attractive about God working among his people communally. Not attractional, big difference, okay? Attractional is kind of a, an approach to church, smoke and mirrors and me kind of coming down out of the ceiling elevated and just, you know, which I'm, again, as a short guy, you know what not to do. You don't try to change light bulbs that you can't reach. You don't like jumping and I, just the idea of me getting stuck and dangling and it does, just sounds really humiliating. So that's why we don't do that. No, it's um, attractional is the idea of we're gonna trick you into kind of buying what we're trying to sell right now. And then once you can kind of, um, once you're around long enough and you trust us, we'll give you the stuff, we'll give you the pill that's harder to swallow. And that's, I, I vehemently disagree with that. I think that's not, in, there's no integrity in that, that. No one wants that. No one wants to be tricked. No one needs to be kind of spoon-fed and then nursed along and kind of shown all this stuff that, no, we, that together, we trust that God is working as we gather authentically in community together and that an onlooking world will often say, we talked about this a couple weeks, some will mock, right, as it says there early in chapter 2 and end of chapter 1. Some people mocked, but some people said, tell me more about that. And that's what's happening here in these verses is God is at work drawing people to himself even through, it seems almost foolish, 
even through this. Okay, and, and I trust that, and that's one of many reasons why we see God calling and forming a people who gather together. But they also live in community together, right? Up there it said in verse um, 42 that word fellowship was used, and then it now picks up in verse 44, and I think verses 44 and 45 are kind of, a, are kind of explaining. It's really the definition for that word fellowship is found in what we now read in verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay, that, that word fellowship actually means a sharing and a commonality among people. Okay, that's what fellowship means. And then it goes on in verse 45 and just kind of explains it a bit more. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Okay, fellowship is another one of those words that we just think we get. And we're like, oh yeah, I got it. And, and it's these, and I know the church culture, okay, Christianity can, you, can be weird, okay? Can you look at your neighbor and say, we can be weird sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, you're weird, all right? <laughs> but look at your neighbor and say, for God's glory. But, but, okay, but in all honesty, like, it's, like, I love that, um, I think it was Tracy or Melanie, one of them kind of joked up here during the interview and was like, we might be really weird. And, and I don't think Christians should go out of their way to be weird. All right? And a lot of times we do. We've got bumper stickers on our car that is like, what does that even mean? And we do stuff and we use phrases that people are like, what? And like, I don't get that. And it's not, and it, and it makes sense that people mock sometimes. But um, sometimes it should lead to understanding. But have some of you guys may have seen this. There's like a YouTube video out there. Somebody shared it or posted it, um, and I saw it. But it's insightful. It's definitely mocking, but it's this group of people like worshiping corporate worship and this kind of outsider, if you will, okay? Someone who's not a Christian is there and is standing by this girl and they're singing. Have some of you guys seen this? And she's saying stuff and it's so funny because it's so good because she's like calling out and this girl's like got her hands raised and she's like, avocado. And the girl's like, did you just say avocado? And she's like, yo, just go with it. Just feel it. Just get into the moment. And sometimes it's like that. It's like, what are you even saying? Like, that's just straight up weird and not in a good way. It doesn't even make sense. Okay. And so I don't even know fully how I got on all this. Where am I right now? <laughs> Fellowship, gathering together, being weird. And sometimes it's just weird and we need to be called out. And it needs to be like, that doesn't make sense. And you don't need to be that. But, 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 but sometimes fellowship, God calling us together to community, does demand an explanation. And I think it's something much more like what we see here in these three verses than what we really prescribe to. And... Um, Hear me, okay? Check in right now. Please look at me right now. And let me tell you, we, in, as American 2017 evangelical Christians, we have two major dangers 
Okay, I believe all of us in, in really in the West in our time right now, but this, and it is killing us and it is hamstrunging us. It is enabling us to write this stuff off and turn our ears and quickly justify it. It's just individualism and consumerism. Okay, and as I said, John Calvin famously said, the human heart is an idol factory, and those are two massive idols of our day that we have got to be aware of. And if you, if we are so, we've talked about this a ton before, but we are so foolish if we don't expose, if we don't learn from people not like us. And one of the, one of the ways that we as the, as the Western church, if you will, and we think, oh, we have a lot to give to everyone else. Well, we need to get some relationships with some people that grew up in the Eastern, in Eastern Christianity or perhaps from the Middle East or from Africa and that come in and they can help us identify the idols that we, that we orient our lives around and become numb to. And one of them that I've heard is this individualism and this consumerism. And so as we read here and we we so quickly jump to well of course we're not all told to sell everything and to be a bunch of hippies that live in a commune and I could so easily here give us a little description that just makes us all feel better and then just make our bed of idolatry and lay in individualistic consumerism and keep going and just being shaped and defined more by that and inserting that into our Christianity rather than submitting ourselves to who God has called us to be. Is he calling us all to sell our house and to give everything we have and to be, you know, communists and just give and all, we're all one and do all this stuff? Are we all supposed to be hippies and just sit? Well, no, but maybe Okay, I think we too quickly jump right to, well, of course not. No. Yes, okay, I can read and I go along to the next part here where it says in verse 46, they were, breaking to, they were meeting together and breaking bread in one another's homes. So someone obviously had to have homes, right? Someone didn't all, they didn't all sell their homes. However, we can so quickly go and justify all that away, justify ourselves and write that all off, and then go right in this place where we don't see that everything we have, absolutely everything we have, has been given to us for God's glory and the good of others. And in that, our joy is found. But man alive, do we not orient our lives and live in such a way, in every way, that is really, I'm going to meet my needs on my own. I'm going to keep others out. I'm going to set up my life to fulfill my needs to be an individual. I'm going to sing worship songs and come here to church to get what I want to get out of it and do all these things that, that just me and God, be me up, Scotty, just this kind of idea, this picture of like a bunch of little individual lights beaming down on all of us. And we all get, you know, me and Jesus are on a date night and we're doing our thing. And it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. But no, when Jesus comes and, and lives and dies and raises from the dead, it's to restore us to God 
and to one another. And it is radical, and it is crazy. And there are some stories in our church that are beautiful that I want to go into and share that are, you know, of somebody giving a car to someone else that is in need because they've been blessed and they see that blessed to be a blessing. And, and other stories, we've um, during the Advent season, we had the Wheeler family, Mark and Ginny and um, Charlie and Alex and Paige and Ryan up here, and just this cool picture of cross-generational family and, and ministry going on there. And again, the Carlson sharing this morning their story and, and all that we got to hear there. And I think of the Carters and the Wilhelms and the Collins Redemption communities and the Wagners as well and these incredible things going on. And, and guys, it's so good and yet there's so much more that God is calling us into. I pray that we are cut to the heart right now and convicted deeply of how much we have our hands so tightly grasped around everything we have, our relationships, our experiences, our goods, all this stuff is so set up for me, 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 and, 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 and what's mine and what I can get more, what I can consume to build me up and to satisfy my needs all the more. And we need to be jarred right now and called back into a place of, of, of God restoring us, of repenting, of turning back to him and seeing that all of life is meant to be lived all for Jesus, that God has called us to be restored to him and to each other and to our work and to our play and to everything that we do, that we would live and Give for God's glory and the good of others. And in that, our joy is found. Amen? And, and there is this, I think the rich and the poor are just as vulnerable to falling into these idols of consumerism and idolatry and selfishness that allows us to so quickly write off this need for confession and repentance and turning and being transformed. Okay, I know that we're told that the love of money is the root of all evil and, and, and we know that, that when you have more, it's a lot easier to want to hold on to that and it can be easy to justify that away and say, well, I was a hard worker and so of course I deserve to spend my money this way, this way, this way and never stop to consider how I went on where I go on vacation and how I spend my money and what I use and what kind of car I drive and all these things. And I do think we need to press in here and say, if it's not, man, I, it's not do all this. It's not so black and white and clear cut. It's like sell everything. Everyone's got to drive a car. Not to, everyone has to drive a Prius, right? Not a Mercedes, not a Beamer, and not a broken down, you know, hoopty. But is a hoopty a word anymore, by the way? Okay, good, okay. I grew up in the 90s. We drove a hoopty. Um, we sang a little song. I won't sing it for you right now, but, okay, we drove a hoopty. And, um, and, and so it's, oh, don't do that, but fit right here. But no, the Holy Spirit, the incredible work of God calling us is to trust him moment by moment, second by second, where we, again, look through that lens of God, all I have is for you. And someone might be called to still drive a Mercedes or a Beamer and be a CEO and have this whole thing. And I have seen it. We have a couple in our church who, who embody this to me. They are, they admit it. They are wealthy and they say that and yet they are so humbly generous that they just give and, not, and yet they pray and are torn over how to, how to have discernment on who to give to and how to give and they bring people into their home and it is incredible. 
And again, I grew up in more of a poor environment and more of a kind of poor home and kind of, you know, you know, everyone had was on, you know, free lunch and all this. And this is kind of the environment I grew up in. And let me tell you, there is just as much money hungry consumerism there and individualism as anywhere else. It can be this sense of entitlement and, well, everyone, you know, I don't, I, I don't have much, so no, I'm not going to share with this person. And no, I'm not, you know, of course they should give to me. Look at that. And, and it can be, all I'm saying is we're all, we can all be uncomfortable or we can all take comfort in knowing we're going to be uncomfortable together. And the beauty of the gospel is God forming a diverse group of people together from all different walks and tribes and tongues and languages and backgrounds and what's comfortable to us to reflect his glory as we come together in community. And, and we live um, in such a way that it, we're living on mission. And I'm just going to quickly kind of get to where we're wrapping up here because I've gone all over the place today. In verse 47 is God uses this to draw people to himself. He calls us to live alongside one another in such a way that he is revealing his glory to others. And guys, it is radical. Like this shouldn't be, oh yeah, the Acts 2 church. I, I know a little something about that. I've read about that back then. And no, it is something that really genuinely should be. I grew up in a quote unquote poor white trash you know, environment that was where racism was just normal and that's what I understood and, and, and yet God has restored me and is restoring me and reforming me into the image of Christ and I am forgiven of that and somehow I live in relationship alongside people of color and people of different socioeconomic, you know, backgrounds and, and where men and women and old and young and, and where, where I say things and I get corrected and then this this person who, who, who perhaps grew up in a, in a wealthier environment and maybe they are, they are from a different ethnicity from me and, and, and I've always assumed and, and put people into a box and all these things and the beauty of the gospel is Jesus saying, listen, you're all broken and you all need the good news of, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to restore you to God for your sins to be forgiven and to one another. And as I said earlier, we are such a fickle people. Devotion is so abnormal for us that we are so prone to just tap out. And I strongly believe God is calling us right now as a community to come together and to move toward one another in such a way that we are deepened and strengthened, that we live in such a way that we, we, we make each other mad. We, we, we're not afraid of saying something in such a way alongside. And then when we get corrected, when we get put in check, we're not just like, oh, man, that was really uncomfortable. I'm out. But no, we move toward each other and we say, yeah, help me understand. Like, that really hurt when you said that. And then someone says, well, that really hurt me when you said that. And, well, hey, and you spoke into my marriage and you, you actually questioned my, my stewardship of my finances or you questioned my job. Right? I don't like, and that we would say, okay, I, but I'm committed to you. So I'm going to move forward with this. And lest we, okay, another, like, look at me right now as we close. This is not a moralistic, so let's all try harder and do better and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. 
and just be this Acts 2 community and try harder, okay? Get it right, all right? You don't understand Black Lives Matter? Well, fine, you shouldn't. Like, just, just ignore that or try harder and move better. Oh, you don't, you don't get that? You don't, um, you don't understand how anyone could vote for Trump? Well, that's wrong. Okay, like, there's no room here to wrestle with that. Just kind of go and do that on your own and just put on a pretty face and come here. No, that God would call us to authentically be a community together that moves toward him and toward one another. Hear me, okay, big idea right here, only because of his love for us. God so loves the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him can have eternal life. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is so devoted to you and to me and to us that we can be devoted to one another. The only hope we have is reactively responding to the love of Jesus, to the sacrificial life laying down, hard and messy and real love of Jesus poured out for us individually and together. And because of that, Because of his devotion to us, we can be devoted together. We can gather together. We can function in community together. We can be on mission together. And and again, verse 47, and all throughout here, you see God's doing that. He's adding to his number. Our focus here is not on what's the next number, what's the next barrier we got to get through. Let me just candidly say in front of all of us here, you guys know we opened up the balcony and we cheer, we celebrated that and we do keep track of where we are and how we've grown and some of you guys remember starting out as 19 adults in my house, in my living room and we're excited about what he's doing here. Only as long as it means um, restored relationships and, and real discipleship growing as followers of Jesus together. And, and as we, we celebrate numbers, only as long as it means transform lives. But let me ask you to join me in praying that if, if ever, even right now, if God needs to kind of push a pause button on our numerical growth in order to... Um, bring us deeper into our, our uh, uh, healthy growth, our discipleship growth, then amen, let him do that. If he needs to maybe even pull us back a little bit and say, yeah, your real discipleship is followers of Jesus and pressing into these hard things together and responding to him together. If, that's, if we're losing track of that or we've kind of just gotten ahead of ourselves and we're getting bigger numerically, like let's embrace and even pray for him to trim us back and pull us back. Because he's adding to his number, and we love that. We're excited that number's growing, but not in spite of the work he's doing in us and among us and calling us into. So let's respond now. We always respond. It's always a first love. The first cause is always God's love for us through the person and work and life, death, and resurrection and rule of Jesus. So we individually and communally respond to him, gathered together in community and on mission in all of life. Amen? Let's pray together. And uh, (laughs) 
Holy Spirit, we are along for the ride of what you're doing among us. Um, Heavenly Father, we are gathered together as your people. Lord Jesus, our King and our Savior, our only hope is you. Our only hope for how to live out what we just read about and what we believe we're, we're, we're now called into as your people is only because of your accomplished work on the cross and, and then raising from the dead and through the Holy Spirit whom you've sent. And uh, so God, I don't know what you're doing in us and among us individually and communally even now as we respond, but uh, we trust you to continue to lead us and guide us and oversee us as we respond to your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.